This episode is one of the deep dive modules that we run every single week for Propane Protocol members. Occasionally we like to post these out as podcasts so that we can share the love, but if you want full access to all of these inside our flagship program to optimize your physique, diet, mindset, habits, productivity, and much more, then join the Propane Protocol at propaneprotocol.com. Upgrade yourself. Hello guys, welcome. Please, can someone post in the comments and just let me know that there's no technical issues this time. I've tried my best, but uh, something always slips through the cracks. So today we are talking about vegetarianism 101. So how to lose fat and gain muscle as a vegetarian. We've also got some questions from you guys coming in live as well. So I will get to them now. It's going to be relatively brief because I've got to go and work at the Great North Bike Ride today doing sports therapy. So the propane t-shirt is on. Um, guys, welcome to anyone who's just joined. Um, some really good testimonials and progress shots as well over the last few weeks. Lorita and Dave, um, absolutely phenomenal. So great stuff. You guys are looking amazing now. Um, so first thing is Becky asked, um, is weight a good, well, Weight isn't a perfect metric, she says. Surely there are better ways to track your progress. Becky, you're absolutely right. So using weight alone is not the complete picture. And if you look at Lorita's recent progress, you'll see that she's actually gained a kilo over the last six weeks. And she looks leaner. She looks more muscular. Her lifts have gone up. She looks generally better from head to toe. So weight alone is not going to track the entire progress. And we talked about this last week where we said that weight is like looking at the bank balance, but there's no indication as to what the expenses are going to be, what the income is going to be at any one point. It just gives you the bank balance on one particular day. So that's why we say measure your training volume, your training progress, your weight, weekly photos, and six weekly measurements that are done um, on chest, shoulders, legs, arms, and waist. So if you measure all of them, you can then triangulate and see whether if the general trend for all of these metrics is going up or down, that's way better than using just weight or just body fat caliper measurements or anything like that. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, let me just check that I'm live in the right group. Guys, every time I'm on, I'm live, you must think I'm so paranoid about um, the microphone working and being in the right group, but I've just, I just don't trust myself with technology at the moment. I've had too many, uh, too many hiccups. Cool. I can see that it's up there. Great. So next question was from Jinzia. So Jinzia asks, uh, is there, she, she asked about mouth guards basically when, when she's squatting, she says, I, I tend to grind my teeth. What's the best mouth guard to use and what can I do? To be honest, Jinzia, this is out of my area. Um, I, I would have thought that any general mouth guard, as long as you um, can get it molded, you can buy the, the kit online where you put it in boiling water and then you, you bite down on it. Something like that would do. They are shown in the evidence to improve strength output by, I think, three or four percent. So it's quite a bit. Um, the only downside is that having a mouth guard might encourage you to bite down more. And it's not something you want to get into as a habit long term because obviously you don't want to be grinding your teeth down. So something you can do is during your lying relaxation practices maybe before bed or sometime during the day, you can focus on really relaxing the muscles around the face and the jaw. And the other thing is the... <sighs> can you hear that? Yeah, no calls all day. And then when I'm live, right, phone on airplane mode. 
Um, Kit Lachlan has a good neck and jaw routine. So if you search on YouTube for Kit Lachlan neck jaw, I'll post the link in here as well. Um, Kit Lachlan neck jaw sequence. He goes over some of the stretches that you can do for your jaw and help to relax that general area. One of them looks a bit silly, but it's literally about grabbing the inside of your lower jaw and gently pulling down <laughs> like that. Uh, once you're at the end point, flex against it gently for seven seconds and then breathe out and relax. And you'll find that eventually if you can get three knuckles in your mouth, then that's um, a good sign that you've you got on your way to getting some good range of motion with your jaw. Deborah says, I can see and hear you. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Faye, hello. Um, I'm sure you guys can appreciate the, uh, the struggles with technology um, that we've had. Right. So that's it for math cards and weight as a metric. I'm just going to cover you guys' questions that you posted today and then get on to the, the meat of the topic, vegetarianism. Sorry for the dad joke. It's a Sunday morning. So Deborah says, I have a question about chin-ups. I've shattered my shoulder socket last year and so really struggle. Do you have an alternative that I can do? Um, so Deborah, yeah, I think very sensible to not be trying to do chin-ups when you've got a shattered shoulder socket. Hard to say. Um, it's something that obviously when you're in a chin-up position, it's going to be putting the shoulder in end range flexion. And if you have got an existing injury, they can aggravate it. So I would first make sure that you are doing the physio exercises. If you haven't seen a physio, or if you've um, been discharged, then see if you can book in an appointment with a private one or, or just go back to the NHS and say, look, I'm starting a new exercise program. I need some advice. If they have given you some rehab stuff, which they should have, especially if it was shattered, then um, that is the thing to prioritize in your training program. And then to do the substitutes that your physio has approved as acceptable substitutes. Failing that, um, and I still would recommend that as the, the first priority, is just doing movements that don't give you more than a two out of 10 pain. Pain is always a signal that something's going wrong. Something's um, aggravating an injury. So there's really no, there's no exceptions to that apart from, you know, lactic acid or the, the burn that you get. But we know that that's different from muscular, like musculoskeletal or, or joint pain. So anything that causes more than two out of 10 pain, drop it like a hot potato and just focus on things that work within the range that you can do. So for chin-ups, if the vertical range, vertical plane is painful for you, see if the horizontal range is okay. If so, more seated rows, more um, horizontal pulling movements could be machine rows or chest supported dumbbell row, anything like that. Remember the full exercise guide is in the members area. So you can check that out for any, any inspiration and just let us know in the group if there's anything you want to substitute, feel free to do that. My preference would be, assuming it's pain-free, chest-supported dumbbell row. So you're lying on your front and um, doing a horizontal row with dumbbells, essentially. So there's a demo of that in the group. Ian Hutchinson says, I've had a look at the weight training plan for the next few weeks. Wondered how to best factor other workouts in. I currently do one Pilates session, one functional circuit class, and one coached Olympic lifting class. Busy man, Ian. So... Can I add these training days so I get a complete rest day or do I move them onto the non-lifting days? If you're doing all of that, I would say pull back the training program for the protocol to two or three times a week. So you can take, say, the four week block and spread that over eight weeks so that essentially you're doing, say, Monday to Friday 
Pilates, protocol session one, functional circuit class, protocol session two, coached Olympic class. And then week two would be the same thing, but protocol sessions three and four. So if that makes, hopefully that makes sense. You're just dragging out that um, four week timeline onto an eight week one. And that way you can fit things in a little bit better. Um, There are alternatives as well. You could always do one week on, one week off or um, periodized. So you do the the protocol block for four weeks of just that and then rotate with the functional circuit stuff and Olympic lifting coaching. It depends on your preference and how you want to fit things in. But really, total volume is key and you're already getting a lot of lifting volume in from your other training sessions. Deborah, I've never watched a live video. Do I just wait on here? Hopefully you can see the video now. Uh, Dominic, I have reservations about the global levels of meat consumption on the environment. I do think we need to change how we look at feeding ourselves in a sustainable manner. Vegetarian diets interest me, but I don't want to eat mountains of soy, tofu or fake meat. Is maintaining a high protein diet without meat or fish a good idea? It leaves dairy and soy as my protein sources. Does soy affect estrogen levels in men or is this just bro science? Good question, Dom. So I've, uh, luckily for you, I, I address exactly those things in the slides today. So that is excellent. Um, final thing, let's just check if there's any more comments before we get into this. Cool. Right. Vegetarianism 101. Um, Okay. So Adi asked about this. He said, is there a way that I can manage my protein sources, still gain muscle, still lose fat while on a vegetarian diet? And I think the, um, the first thing that's important to mention is it will, the first thing to address is to talk about meat because essentially vegetarianism is removing meat. So what is it in meat that we're losing and how can we account for that? How can we compensate for that? So ultimately we know that meat contains certain types of animal protein that you can't get from plants and also a number of other micronutrients. And we're going to talk about how to um, account for them, how to supplement with those particular ones so that you're not missing out. You're not creating nutrient deficiencies by eliminating one part of our diet. And it's no um, controversial statement that as humans, we are adapted to eat both meat and plants. And as a result, we gain nutrients from them both. And so by eliminating one complete category of food sources in our life, then that is going to cause us potential problems because it's something that we've been, we've evolved to eat and, uh, and, and to do. I'm not saying that being vegetarian is necessarily a, a silly choice, but it just means we have to be a little bit more careful, pay a bit more attention to our diets to make sure we're not just selling ourselves short. So the short answer, vegetarian. If you're a vegetarian, there is not really a problem with gaining muscle and losing fat. As much as fitness media will try and um, demonize being vegetarian or say that it's a, a terrible thing, it's, it can be accounted for. Being vegan, on the other hand, there is more of a problem, especially if you are growing. And so that's why I see um, people that raise their newborn babies as vegan is really heinous and it's it's categorically stunting their growth. Um, It's just not something that we we can do sustainably. So if you want more on veganism specifically, which isn't really the topic of, of today, then check out the video that we've done called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly of Veganism. As you can see, I didn't have a beard 
So it was exactly a year ago now, 22nd of August last year. So that covers the diet identity associated with being vegan, um, the moral issues, pros and cons, the health downsides, the fat loss effects and the effect that it could have on your physique and a lot more as well. So check that out for sure. We're also going to release it as a podcast in a couple of weeks on iTunes too. So one of the common things we also hear about vegetarians is, but bodybuilder XYZ is huge and and he's vegetarian, so why can't I do it? Now, if you look at this bodybuilder, do you think that the reason he looks like this is because of steak? No. The reason that he looks like this is because he is running on grams of testosterone. So if you're taking exogenous hormones that ramp up your protein synthesis it doesn't really matter whether you eat meat or not. So using the bodybuilder example, it's really quite moot and it's not a good, um, you know, you might have these guys that are spouting the benefits of vegetarianism and how great they feel and all of this stuff. Meanwhile, they're not telling you about the grams of stuff that they're injecting and taking into their bodies. So just remember to take that stuff with a pinch of salt. The other thing that we often hear is, but I lost weight when I went vegetarian. So surely it's a good health intervention. Now, the answer is, most of the time when people go veggie or vegan, they simply paid more attention to their diet. They stopped, they considered that they've eliminated a lot of the the stuff that often is quite high calorie, quite calorie dense. If you eliminate burgers and pepperoni pizza from your diet, then you're probably going to lose some weight simply because you're eating less calories. If you start eating, making more of your own food so that it doesn't contain any meat, Again, it's making more positive dietary choices, but it's not because of the meat specifically, it's because of the rest of the context that it's coming along with. Does that make sense? So, next thing, the moral reasons. There are several ways that people enter the world of vegetarianism. Adi, I'd be interested in what yours is specifically, or if it doesn't fall under one of these categories. Um, But it's important that if you don't know, and if you're not 100% sure on this, make sure you run the five whys. Really important, because... If you don't know why you're doing something, if you haven't got a deeper motivation for things, it's easy to fall off the wagon or simply you're just wasting your time. If you if you're doing something, but you don't really know why. So ask yourself why five times, get to the root of that and you'll be able to make more deliberate, better informed choices. And then if you want to be able to spread your message, you can do it with from a place of authenticity and from more depth because you've really thought about what you're doing. So sounds simple, but many people don't do it, particularly with why are you training? Why are you trying to lose fat? Why are you trying to gain muscle? All those things. So one of the main or the most kind of left brain cognitive way to the way that people enter vegetarianism is reducing the average demand of food, the general intake of food. And this was Dominic's idea that he's just um, commented as well, saying that um, the you know the environmental impact or, or the effect on total number of lives, if you go the utilitarian perspective, So there are many things to consider with this. First one is, if you're going to eat chicken, then many chickens have to die for each per meal that you eat, compared to if you you were to have beef, then one cow is going to provide 80 meals for people in terms of that, that, the yield from that cow's meat. The other thing is to consider maybe freeganism, that if meat is served to you and you have no preference, um, obstacle that's stopping you from eating meat, then there's no harm in eating the meat that's been served to you because otherwise it would have been thrown away. So 
it's one thing to do that. It's the other thing to go into bins like this guy and start nicking the sausages. Um, probably not recommended, but there is an important uh, point about being in bins is that simply there's the common argument of, well, if everyone felt like that, then nothing would happen. And if we all start to make a move to eat less meat, we reduce the overall demand and things start to move in our direction. And, th you know, we start to reduce the overall impact on the environment and so on. Now, the fact is, everyone doesn't feel like that. And unfortunately, the amount of food waste is absolutely horrific, not only in the UK, but I mean, especially in the US, where there, are, there is a systematic and large scale deliberate amount of waste being thrown into supermarket bins to keep prices elevated. Bins are locked so that they can't give them to the homeless people. And so there, because of this huge stochastic error variable, which is the amount of total orders made and compared to the amount of total demand, and we can't always gauge it directly, there is always some overshoot. That results in a massive amount of food waste. And so just consider whether you individually reducing the amount of food or the the amount I've got bloody hiccups again, the amount of uh, meat that you eat, if you reduced it, would it really have an impact on the amount of meat being wasted, the amount of needless animals being killed globally? Probably not. And so then consider, what's the downside to me? Probably more inconvenience, more um, difficulty with maintaining my physique because I have to then pay more attention to supplementing and making sure that I'm not deficient in stuff. And am I achieving anything with it? Well, if the food's being wasted anyway, then perhaps you're not achieving much with that. And it's the same as you might have heard Sean Locke talk about this, where he says, um, I'd like to recycle. I really would. I see the benefit in it. But when the Americans are blowing up nuclear warheads underwater and cleaning up oil spills with baby seals and driving cars the size of a lorry, and then I'm here cleaning out my little Marmite jar at my, um, at my kitchen sink, being like, I've got to get all the Marmite out, it feels a bit futile, it feels a bit silly. And so similar thing goes with, um, with this, that if thousands of animals are being killed and wasted systematically, then you've got to consider, will my individual action have a material impact on the world, on the environment, or am I doing it to feel better? Now, if you're doing it to feel better, that is a benefit in itself, but then you have to be clear on that. You have to know with certainty that I am doing this to offset my own guilt. I'm not doing it because of the material impact on the world. If you have some stats and some data that will um, prove me wrong, I'd be very keen to see that, um, but it's something to, something to weigh up and to look into the data yourself. Hey, Johnny here. Just a really quick interruption to this episode to let you know about a resource we now have up and running on propinfitness.com. One of the most popular questions we get from readers and listeners is, hey guys, what would you recommend for my starting calories for fat loss or muscle gain? How much protein, carbs, fat? How many calories should I eat to begin my journey as a starting point? Normally, this is something that we do for clients when they come into our program, The Propane Protocol, but recently, we have opened up the calculator that we use for all of our clients so that you can get a free calculation, a free starting point of what we would recommend if you were to start as a client with us for your protein, carbs, fats, and calories overall for either fat loss or muscle gain, customized to you and your goal. If you want to get access to that, it is totally free. You just have to go to propinfitness.com forward slash calculator, enter your information, and we will send your macros and your calorie recommendations to that email address. 
And we'll also send you a few free resources over email just to pad that out and ensure that you have the best possible chances of reaching your goals in fat loss and muscle gain. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Next, um, it's, oh yeah, so it's a little bit like um, going for a jog as a way to lose weight. So doing that as an intervention, just saying, I want to lose some weight, I'm going to go for a jog once a week. It may work, but it's a very much a random shot in the dark. You might find that you burn some calories, you compensate by eating some more, you're not tracking your food. You know, it, it's a it's a very shotgun approach. And like, because of this stochastic error variable, may or may not work. So if we can start to pull things back to, am I going to have a measurable impact? Then great, 100%. And if you live on a farm or if you eat locally sourced stuff and you're reducing the impact there, or you you know you, you live in a small village or something like that where it is actually going to have an effect, then great. And all the power to you, it's reducing the amount of total uh, total animals being killed. Another one is preference. And with preference, you know, that's your preference. That's fine. Just make sure you follow the, the, the guidelines below so that you're not um, scuppering yourself in terms of nutritional deficiencies. Next one is animal welfare. So some answers to this, they are not perfect, would be eating free range animals, making sure that they're not bred to just be battery hens or something like that, where they just have a really shit life. Um, the other one would be eating halal or kosher food. So again, they those uh, guidelines, because of the um, religious restrictions on those kinds of preparation of meat, require a certain baseline of animal welfare, of um, living conditions for them, and, a, and a, a way that they are humanely killed. So doing that, some people argue that they're not humanely killed, and because of modern technology, we can kill animals in a more humane way now. But really, if you're against the killing of animals, regardless of how humane it is, then you know, we want to go for the the guidelines and just hedge your, your health in that sense. So some people, some veggies eat fish, some don't. Again, depends on how intelligent you think fish are, how much suffering you think they, they are open to. And the religious and karmic influence as well. So if I am responsible for the death of an animal, am I creating suffering in the world that's going to come back to me? And you know, if, if that's the approach, then obviously reducing your total meat intake down to zero, ideally, is going to minimise that karmic impact. So I should clarify at this point that I um, I really do admire vegetarians. And I think it's it's a great cause to have. I think it's a great um, it's a great intention. I simply don't have the the moral fibre to do it. And, and also I can't um, justify to myself that it's going to have a material impact on the world. But again, if you live in an environment where it will, then great. But um, it really needs to be a, a larger corporate-led thing if it's going to cause a change. Finally, if you're going to go strict militant vegetarian, where you are like 100%, I won't eat Parmesan cheese because it's got um, it's been made with animal rennet and I won't eat gelatine, I won't eat Haribo, all that stuff... Just bear in mind that you will be spending a third of your life reading labels on food. So if you're up for that, great. Now, as far as the application goes, we want to ascertain what are the nutrients that I'm missing from meat and what do I need to potentially supplement with or what do I need to eat more of to make sure that I'm not missing out so that I'm not hampering muscle gain, fat loss. 
So the main one, obviously, is protein. And the components of protein that are particularly good in meat are the amino acid profile and the bioavailability. So the in so particularly good sources of protein that have those um, those two uh, quite high up on the scale, as far as muscle gain goes, are chicken, um, fish, whey, and dairy. So luckily, two of those are well, whey and dairy are vegetarian friendly. So we'll get to that. Creatine, creatine is contained in meat. Um, there's about three grams of creatine per 500 grams of meat, something like that. So if you eat a lot of beef and a lot of fish, then you'll probably get enough creatine to actually get performance enhancing effects from it. However, most people, even non-vegetarians, don't eat that much meat. So it's always worth supplementing with creatine, but particularly if you're vegetarian. Next thing is choline. So this helps with the conduction of your neurotransmitters and general brain function. This is contained most highly in eggs. So that's why I say if you're vegan, you've got a lot more to be careful about. If you're vegetarian, you can just up the egg intake a little bit. You've, you're fine. You've covered your bases. Cholesterol as well, one of the precursors to help building testosterone. Again, supports muscle gain, supports fat loss. So eating more eggs is always going to be helpful in that situation too. And then vitamin B12. So eggs and dairy. So you can see the theme here. Basically, you can't eat meat, start eating animal products a little bit more, and you're then hedging your, your bets here. If you want to go vegan, I can't help you. Um, so, well, you just have to supplement with those specific things in tablet form. But then finding a plant-derived source of those tablets means that you pay more for them and so on. Now, miscellaneous stuff, there are some other things that you might miss out on. Taurine, carnitine, CoQ10, beta-alanine and phosphatidylserine. That's a proper mouthful, isn't it? Um, generally, they come from oily fish, milk and whey. So depending on where you are on the vegetarian, pescatarian spectrum, oily fish might be something that's within your um, within your pool of potential foods. Remember the omega-3s as well that you'd get from oily fish and eggs. So try and bump up that if you are a pescatarian, a fake veggie. So um, yeah, in terms of food choices, Apart from the above, so obviously we've got oily fish, eggs, dairy, we want to skew our carb sources towards the higher protein versions of that. So going for foods like quinoa, lentils, beans and rice, stuff that has some inherent protein in it, so even rice has like 10 to 12 grams of protein per 100 grams, pretty good, like that stuff does add up over time. So going for that means that you're at least getting some bonus protein from your food. Supplements to buy. So if you are a veggie, I would highly recommend these supplements. So creatine, whey, and multivitamin. With creatine, you're just getting five grams a day eaten, oh, eaten or it's a powder, so don't eat it. Put it into some water. Just have that straight. No need for a loading phase or to cycle it or anything like that. Usually in hot water means that it minimizes the nausea that people can get from it. Whey is, many people wouldn't describe it as a supplement, simply food just taken from the fraction of milk. Um, so you have curds and whey, um, just like Miss Mary Tuffet. So supplementing with that means that you do ensure the bioavailability and the amino acid profile to maximize muscle growth. And actually whey is number one. So 
you're not missing out on anything there as long as you just hit your protein targets with that. And number three is the multivitamin. If you are concerned about missing out on any of the micronutrients, then a multivitamin will just hedge your bets. So make sure it's a, quite a complete spectrum one and then you are covered. Now, as Dom asked, what do we want to avoid? Soy. So there is mixed evidence on soy. It keeps going back and forth. Remember to check the commissioner of the study when people are uh, making these studies. So sometimes you'll have like a the soy commission or whatever that say that um, soy doesn't cause any problems with estrogen in men. And then you have other ones that are independent studies that say, say it do it say it does. I would say the safest bet and the balance of evidence seems to be at the moment that soy does have a negative impact on male hormones. So I would say avoid soy products. You can go with fermented soy, which is uh, somehow breaks down the estrogens in it. So soy sauce is fine, but avoid edamame beans particularly. So that, I don't know if I've spelt, spelt edamame correctly there, but um, that is one of the things that has hundreds of times the levels of plant estrogens compared to any other vegetable. Um, so yeah, avoid edamame beans if you can. I know they're nice. I know they come in a lot of really delicious salads, but if you're concerned about your physique, it's a, it's a simple substitution to make. The other thing is if you're eating incomplete proteins, such as pulses, beans, that kind of thing, make sure that you mix and match so that you account for any, um, incomplete amino acid profiles by overlapping them the same way as if you had a bunch of, um, a bunch of paper of different shape and you put it all on top of each other, eventually it's going to um, fill the gaps because you, that's a terrible analogy, but you, you get what I mean there. You might have some beans that don't have much leucine, but have lots of valine or whatever. You have other beans that have more and less of different types. So if you mix them together, you're getting more of a complete protein, something that mimics animal protein a little bit more. And that also means that you get to avoid any of the fake meats and soy and tofu and that kind of thing. So yeah, you want to avoid tofu as well. Okay, guys, I think I've stunned you into silence or boredom, whichever is, uh, whichever is that the, the correct one. Um, but coming up, we've got hunger and fullness. So how to manage hunger and fullness. I know I've covered this in a module, but I've also prepared a larger, more in-depth uh, module on hunger and fullness, which is really designed for healthcare professionals and fitness professionals, but it has a lot more data in it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Um, it's going to be released over the next couple of weeks. I'll do it live in the group so we can do Q and A. Uh, it is going to be submitted to the British Association of Sports and Exercise Medicine. So um, it's a bit more kind of data heavy. The, there is also a Mac optimization for productivity module coming up. So um, how to just really double your output in terms of work on a computer. And there's a lot of little customizations that you can do that just um, massively improve things on that side. And also an audio walkthrough of module nine. That is the mindset module. So if you've been through it already, you'll have gone through the external clear out, the internal clear out and the um, information diet. So assignment three is the internal clear out. I'm gonna go through a full walkthrough of that process, how to really unpick negative limiting beliefs and emotions that are recurring and constantly come up for you. Okay, so that is it for vegetarianism. I hope that was helpful for everyone. Um, I'm going to check the comments in case I've missed anything. 
and then wrap things up. Another thing that I should mention <coughs> is I'm sleeping on the floor these days. So there is a reason for that. I haven't just gone fully mental just yet, only partially. And uh, that is something which I will cover in more depth over the next few weeks. Um, Diane says, I've looked at my training plan. What can I do instead of um, lower body one and two? Okay, let's have a chat about that, Diane, because that, that requires a bit more customization. Um, I think, Dom, cheers. I think I'll stick to being an omnivore in the meantime. <laughs> sorry, Dom. I feel like, um, or sorry, animals. I feel like I've uh, I've scored a, a point for humans and lost one for animals there. Um, great. So no more questions in the other thread as well. Guys, if I miss anything or if you want to dive into a topic in more depth soon, please just post in the, the polls that come up every week. That'll help direct some of the content for you guys, make sure it's the most relevant and appropriate for you. Also, I'm running thin on some of your questions right now too, so it would be very helpful. Okay, speak very soon. Hey, Johnny again. Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Propane Fitness Podcast. We have a short request and a potential prize for you. If you enjoyed that episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. It just helps the podcast reach more people and allows us to devote more resources and time to making this podcast better every single week. In return, we are going to be selecting one of the reviews, announcing it live on the podcast every single week, and sending you two of our programs completely free of charge, both Faster Fat Loss and the V-Taper program. One is obviously a fat loss program, eight weeks long. One is the V-Taper program, which is muscle gain focused on the upper body, designed to basically get you a massive bench press, huge chest, and a massive chin-up. Who doesn't want those things? So we're going to be sending both of those to the best review. And all you have to do in order to enter this prize draw to win those two programs is to head over to iTunes or head over to propinfitness.com to get the link for the podcast and then visit iTunes that way and leave us a short review with your honest feedback, your honest comments. Let us know what you think of the podcast, what we can do better, what you like, what you don't like, and you'll be automatically entered into the prize draw to win one of these programs. We'll see you on the next episode and we hope to be shouting your name out very soon. Shout, 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 shout.